It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. What's going on, lacrosse fans? We're back here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network for EP 184 of Lax Class. Thanks for joining us. Jake Kelly, Brad Challoner with you and another monster program lined up for your listening pleasure. Speaking of listening pleasure, Brad, uh, good to be with you on Saturday night down there at Rogers Arena for Chris Stapleton. My first time <laughs> watching that. And uh, big thanks to you for hooking up my... My girlfriend's never going to forget that one. I can tell you that. And uh, what a show, man, that encore. I'm still thinking about that sucker. That was awesome. How's it going? Yeah, I wasn't. I was, it was nice, nice to get out. Nice to hang out with you and Danny, as always. And she sent me a nice message yesterday that I'm going to keep close to the pocket. But she's a, uh, she, you're, you got a treat, man. You got to, you got you're really spoiled there in the, as Jim else would say, you're what, you're over kicking, out kicking your coverage. Kicking. Yeah, but she hates that term. So don't say that. Okay. <laughs> Um, she hears she it might a lot. Say, she must hear it a lot. That's why she hates it. <laughs> She's so done with it. No, it was nice to get out. And what a show oh. that was. I, I wasn't ex- like all my favorite Chris Stapleton. He didn't play three of my favorite songs, by the way. Oh, but really? all my favorite Chris Stapleton songs are very chill. So I was kind of saying like, man, I wish we saw him in like a smaller venue, like the Orpheum or the Queenie or something, because I feel like a lot of his music is so chill. But no, he brought out every banger for the show. And then... Tell me this, okay? Because I was having a debate with with the friend that I brought. When it Which gets... I need to talk to you about off off the air, <laughs> by the way. Family friend, family okay, friend. Okay. Um, a wife approved, by the way. Okay, so, that's all. That's, yeah, that now clears right, everything right, up. Right. But okay, so have you ever heard? Have you ever been to a show where the lights go down and gets all quiet, and someone yells "Freebird"? <laughs> Like, do you know the free bird joke? Yes, yes, I do. Yeah, it's what you yell at a con. Like, everybody has a joke. Doesn't matter. I don't care if you're at an Ed Sheeran show. Yeah. It gets quiet. You, someone yells free bird, yeah. right? Yeah. It's just a joke because I think the, the live, the 11 minute live version of Leonard Skinner's free bird, I think they, someone yells it at the start. So it's like, it's the request. It's the, it's the, it's like a request joke at every show. Anyways. Chris Stapleton plays Freebird. I'm like, this is awesome. I'm watching Chris Stapleton play Freebird. And then a fight breaks out. Two, it was in your section, two rows in front of me, over to the right. There's like a brawl that breaks out. Security's in there. Cops. And I'm like, look, I'm like, there, there's a fight during Freebird. I felt like I was at a Leonard Skinner concert in 19. 19- 78 i tell you man i you know like I, we had a couple of drinks before the show i don't really get like drunk anymore i just don't do it because i just don't i don't like hangovers i'll it's take it you said it, it take it takes a yeah, lot for and you to just, get over the edge too so it ends up costing 600 bucks but watching some of the people and like we had two probably like 60 year olds in front of us that could barely stand up they were so tanked and coming back double fisting every time it went to the concession. I was just thinking to myself, good Lord, like you're not even going to remember this show tomorrow because you're going to be blacked you know, out by nine. Yeah. And you, I, I drove intentionally for that reason. It was like, I do, sometimes I don't want to get carried away and I want to yeah. enjoy myself responsibly. So I drove just for that reason. But like they kept, they kept the bar open oh, later man. than they were supposed to. When we got there first round, they were like, 
oh, the bar will shut down 10, 20 minutes after Chris Stapleton gets on stage. But they were people who were coming down with drinks. I think Rogers Arena is trying to make up for loss of revenue over Maybe. the last two years. But they kept the floodgates open. And yeah, country shows, I actually thought it was a more mature crowd than yeah. if you go to, like, say, a younger country show, like a Luke Bryan or a Morgan Wallen show or something like that. It was um like it was it felt like it was my people there. It was a good it was a good night. Hell of good a night show back inside the Raj. Hell of a show, man. Sold out arena there and uh, played every single hit I could think of, and and I really enjoyed it. for first that was my first country concert by the way, except for maybe wow. Aaron Pritchett at uh, Rogers Arena there after the yeah, Warriors. Yeah, that counts. Game. Yeah, I that guess counts. So. Anyways, uh, enough about country music and concerts. We got a lot to talk about here on the program this week, including two great guests in Tino Farah, young up-and-comer, lacrosse flash familia, will join us in quarter two. Bob Whipper Watson, Hall of Famer in the National Lacrosse League and Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Fame as well, for that matter. And also the goaltending coach for the San Diego Seals, who are, uh, well, they're facing elimination coming up this weekend. So we'll talk to Whipper, maybe a few adjustments for Frankie, who I didn't think was was bad in that game by any stretch. But uh, we'll talk to Whipper about it all in quarter number three. Evans back in quarter four for Lax Class Locks as we try and get back on the winning track uh, this week. So we'll talk about all that in quarter four. And here in quarter one, we got to talk about the two games that went down over the weekend. The concert worked out perfectly because it was on Saturday night. We had Friday night lacrosse and Saturday day lacrosse. And Brad, neither one of these games disappointed. Holy cow. This is playoff lacrosse in the National Lacrosse League. And if you don't like this, then you need to check your pulse. Yeah. And I know we talked last week about how we found the elevation of the NHL regular season to postseason is the highest in pro sports, but especially this Buffalo Toronto game this weekend, I don't know if it was TSN and then all the storylines, then the tragedy that happened in Buffalo this week, but that game to me was best game I've seen all year, I think across the national lacrosse league. And I'm, I'm pretty, pretty confident in, in saying that it was absolutely maybe one of the top games I've seen ever. That thing reminded that me. Uh, that thing reminded me of Leif Elsmo and Quint Kesnick on the Deuce back in the early '90s, watching like the Bandits and the Blazers or something. This was this was incredible lacrosse. 2019 finals is kind of how it felt to me too. Like just back and forth, no one going on a run. Yeah. Everything not a lot of defense. Had an answer, and I know we'll work we'll work backwards here because this game was just so incredible to watch especially on on tsn on the big stage and john and pat and ashley did a fantastic job but Graham Perro, name drop name drop name drop put out a stat i think he said that 10 of buffalo's 18 goals were within a minute of each other so buffalo would score and buffalo would score again within the next minute and it's just in and credit to toronto for sticking with it and taking a lead in that game but it's just impossible impossible to to let a team sort of get within reach when you're playing that way. Like just bang, bang. Every time you score, you would get another one and just rub some salt in the wounds. And Adler was a big part of that. And But then and, Toronto and had leads in this Toronto game too, went, Yeah, too, they, they were answering everything too. There was no substantial runs as they just swapped blow for blow. Like highlight real goal after highlight real goal. Toronto getting... um your quote unquote secondary guys chipping in with Scott and, and man's and goals out of the back gate and Rogers and 
everything. Yeah. It, it honestly had it all except for maybe a scrap or two. And like Chase Fraser, maybe goal of the year candidate, a uh, little feed from Dane, backhand flipper from Byrne, and, and Fraser goes between the legs to score the goal. Like <laughs> incredible stuff, man. Byrne scoring on the very first shot of the game, and you you just kind of like I the emotion. I yeah, we the should emotion. probably burn the tape from last week when I was talking about how this was Nick Rose against Matt Vince, and it was going to be a low scoring battle. We saw a ten seven game on the final week of the regular season, and then this thing eighteen seventeen. But with all that being said, like I think we maybe go back to what we expected in game number two. Like, I don't know if we see this kind of game again in game two can we can't can we like th- well, these guys couldn't make saves the defense was turnstile city like i don't want to take anything away from the offensive guys because obviously they were doing their thing but it was their night yeah couldn't miss it was it, it was the it was the offense's absolute night in this game and just the runs were crazy like Buffalo scores three, Toronto scores four, Buffalo scores five, Toronto scores, Buffalo scores twice, Toronto scores. So there one, was two, runs, three, four, five, but both six. teams were Buffalo making scored, them. Right. But they're five, six, five, six, back and forth. And, and then TD to win that face off at the very end oh, and, off and the run it up the floor and off the pipe. I, like it's, I, I was, we're going to see something similar in in Hamilton on Saturday because now Toronto's facing elimination. So we thought emotions were high in this one in Buffalo. Now it's got to go back to Hamilton and Toronto's got to elevate and and find a way to shore up their defense a little bit. Their offense contributed, can't allow 18. So their defense is going to go back to the drawing board, have to be a little bit better. Nick Rose has to has to try to shore things up too, but I think we're going to see the next game just as intense as Oh, it'll be This intense. one was. You got all of Southwestern Ontario watching this thing on national television. It's your best way to sell tickets for Saturday night, going back to Hamilton where they've been fantastic all season, trying to reignite this fan base. There's just, there's some good juicy storylines here and just one of the best rivalries in lacrosse living up to its expectation. Yeah. I, I, I think it's going to be as intense as hell. I just don't know if we see 35 goals put up on the board. No, again. we we can't. That was between these two clubs. No one, no one saw that coming. How about John- 38 faceoffs? Like this is why you have Records. quote unquote fogos for yeah. the playoffs. Like 38 faceoffs, Ireland and and Adler have to take against each other. Don't get me started, Ireland. Don't get me started. Uh, how about John Abbott? Like, what is this guy must be thinking? His first year calling the National Lacrosse League, and he gets that handed to his lap when the East Final from Banditland that was just absolutely bonkers inside that arena. And obviously, a real tough situation there in Buffalo too, with with the the mass shooting and this happening on game day. I thought the Bandits did a, a marvelous job, kind of addressing it, talking about it, acknowledging it. And, and then playing with some pretty heavy hearts, but then getting a win there for, for Buffalo, I think, was big for them, too. Yeah, and there's there's some great footage. Like, go on Twitter and poke around a little bit. Find the Josh game, Josh um, Josh Byrne post-game interview. Find some of Ashley's reporting in-game. Find John and, and Pat before the game talking about Buffalo. There's just so many moments, and... And Buffalo came to support. It was almost, you know, to Hoganatikok and sort of set it in the locker room, I think, before the game. Like, this is this is medicine. We need to allow Buffalo to heal. And, like, 13,000 people there making as much noise as possible. And, and 
Barstool Jordy put out an article this week calling Buffalo Bandits the most electrifying team in pro sports right now. And it's tough to argue with the superstars that they have and the type of show that they put on there. We're witnessing something pretty special. It would be nice for the Buffalo Bandits, for the league and the National Lacrosse League to have a team that this that's this electrifying win it all. Yeah, the cornerstone franchise. I mean, them them and Toronto, quite frankly, mm-hmm. are are you know the two. Like, I don't key. know what if I take all sort of media biases aside. Like, what's better for the league? What team of the let's I'll ask you this: of the four teams left, if you're for a growth standpoint in the National Lacrosse League. Which one of the four teams left is most important to the league to win a championship? Well, I want to say San Diego, but I don't know if that moves the needle like maybe the other teams would with their fan bases that are established already. And I wonder if San Diego wins, how captivated is that city if they win? Do does do enough people know what's going on there where we know in Colorado, Buffalo, Toronto, or Hamilton, they're showing up and, and backing their teams in the playoffs. And they had a pretty good crowd there in San Diego, but I just don't know if it would capture the entire city's buzz if, if they won. So I don't really know how to answer that question. What do you think? I think it's, I think the league's dream would be probably a Colorado Buffalo final just from butts in the door revenue standpoint i think would be two big markets right i you know the avalanche doing really good right now so i i don't know if that's going to hurt the mammoth capturing the imagination of that city right now because you're going to compete with um sorry the avalanche you're gonna have to compete with colorado avalanche in well i'll tell you bro colorado right now i do agree san diego would be like vegas would love to see san diego put an expansion team together so quickly and go win a championship. But I think it's Buffalo or Toronto. I think on both sides of the board, right? As a Canadian, I think you want to see the Toronto rock win it because I've been talking about it all year. The last time they had a national television deal was when the Toronto rock were becoming the dynasty in the late nineties, early two thousands. And it captured the imagination of the nation at that point. Yeah. Buffalo with the opportunity that they have with the, with what's going on with the, the Sabres being trash over the years and the way that that team, like that's a human highlight real team. So if they win a championship, you've got the, the personality of Josh Byrne and Chase Fraser and, and Dane Smith yeah, and the personalities that go along with that. that. So right? yeah. to me, it's, it's Buffalo or Toronto one a and one B as a Canadian. I think it's a bigger deal for the Toronto rock to win the championship. If you're an American, I think it's a bigger deal for the Buffalo banners to win a championship. Yeah. I think you got it right though, with the league and just imagine those scenes for that three game set between the bandits and the mammoth if that ends up going down those barns will be packed each and every game and and listen i've i've seen mammoth fans go to an avalanche game in the morning and go to a mammoth game at night in the same day so i don't think denver's shying away from a little extra playoff action at ball arena in one sport or another no and that's a that's a that's a fair point yeah that's which point. which is where they're every, going this everyone weekend, can eat right? exactly Exactly. Um, so we'll see. jump back. Let's jump back to Friday. This game was equally as entertaining. 14-12 Mammoth beat the San Diego Seals after being tied 12-12 in the fourth quarter. Two late-ish goals. Zed Williams and Eli McLaughlin lift the Mammoth to a game one victory down there at Pachanga. Another one that I think was probably more high scoring than we anticipated with, mm-hmm. with Frankie and, and Dylan. And Dylan Ward has an absolutely 
stellar performance and one of the saves of the year in crunch time. Gotta be. Still allows 12, and the Mammoths still find a way to win without Ryan Lee. So I guess let's unpack that first. Like, let's unpack that first. Ryan Lee. Sorry, I keep put on the injured reserve. <laughs> I keep cutting you off today. I gotta stop doing you're, that. You're, you tell me to drive the bus, and then yeah. you try to walk all over. Sorry, and I try to drive the bus. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So Ryan Lee put on the injured reserve before the game starts, and there ends up being a camera captures him during the game with a full brace on. So draw your own conclusions there as to what the lower body injury is, and if it looks like it's going to be long term or short term, but. I think a lot of people were trying to change their bets before this game, knowing that Ryan Lee wasn't going to be a part of it, but credit to the mammoth offense for putting it together and putting 14 past the seals D and Shiliano in this one. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I impressive, right. And, and I, I don't think Ryan Lee short term, if it's, if he's in a knee break, I don't know how it happened. And I don't know if anybody knows quite yet or whether we'll find out or not, but that is a massive blow for Colorado, but they really, battled through that and they just seem to have a flair for the dramatic and never believe that they're out of any game and they really turned this thing in the third quarter coming out of the gates and putting up a five spot holding San Diego to one in that third quarter and then kind of stave them off in in the fourth but I this this series is pretty evenly matched here Brad I actually saw uh Mr. Dane Toby at uh, my local disc golf park. He wasn't disc golfing, Brad, but Dane Doby out there with his wife and lovely kids uh, walking on an early, rainy Sunday morning and kind of looked side out my, oh, that's Dane, and he's got, yep, that's Dane. He's got a San Diego hat on and uh, had a quick chat with Dane. This guy's still full of confidence here, Brad. He's, he's not too worried about dropping game one, and they feel like they got a long run ahead of him here. And when you just kind of see that the former MVP with that kind of swag still, you, it makes you think like this, this thing's going three and San Diego's going to get it done on the road here, led by Dane Doby. Well, a couple of things. How about the Doby penalty? That, that was that not game? good. That you was never not see, good. You never see that from Dane Doby, especially a guy who is, you know, scored three and four in that game and looked like playoff thing. He moved into second place oh, all man. time in playoff goals. Like, are we not talking about that? I don't Enough? think, I don't it, think we are playoff goals. Jumbo all time. It goes John Tavares, Dane fricking Dobie. Yeah. Yeah. And so, unreal. So now I just unreal. When we're talking about the goats of the game and we're talking <laughs> Tavares and Dawson and Grant and Doyle and Sanderson, Doby is in that conversation now. And like, I think he has been for a while, he has, but, but because he's still active, we don't yeah. talk about it. There, there's that. I also think 2019 put him over the top. Like you look at his career stats and he was, he's always Winner. been super, always been super consistent, but you know, never led the league in goals, never led the league in points. Sometimes didn't even lead his team when Curtis Dixon is dropping, you know, 60 something on you. He every just few, wins, every so few Brad, years. He wins. But, and yeah, and he's a leader and a winner. And I think 2019. That was the his in, team, right? In goals and points, leading them to the playoffs, getting the championship, winning the playoff MVP. I think that sort of gave him a little bit more cred yeah. on the streets, if you will, than, than he may have had in the past in his career, getting the finally getting that. It was his that championship. Team. He monkey off his back to be the yeah. leader and, yeah, to will that team to victory that year. And now, 
you know, he goes to another team to look to put them on a run as they, they trade for him in, or they pick him up in free agency. And he's doing Dane Doby things in the playoffs and getting the respect that he deserves as you now see him climbing these all time points. What? And that penalty at the end must have killed him. Like, I, I don't know if you asked him about that oh, on the side hell of the. Uh, no, I wasn't asking the, him. The Frolf course, but. <laughs> hey, dang. That was very, that was very un Doby like. And yeah. I, I think. He just snapped. Yeah, and, and Nick and Cooper on the broadcast, they're almost pointing to, you know, did he know that the whistle had blown? Because he just sort of like completed that play in an awkward scenario to to get the penalty, and then it was it was game over. But well done to the Colorado Mammoth. This thing's not over yet. History is not on the SEAL side. I think Omoli, I think the stat was like 11 out of the 14 best of threes that have been done in National Lacrosse League history. The team that wins game one, goes on to win the series 11 out of 14 times so it's tough tough sledding to try to come back to that but the mammoth offense the thing that they didn't have all these seasons behind dylan ward and their fantastic stout d was an offense that can put up big numbers and eli mclaughlin and connor robinson and zed williams for that matter did just that in game one yeah they sure did and i just i keep thinking back to saskatchewan letting connor robinson go and I just, how hard are they kicking themselves right now? Especially with Shatler being at the end. Well, that's yeah. it. They chose Shatler over keeping Robinson and yeah. unfortunately didn't get back in return. I think what, you know, obviously Connor's gone on to do, but. I did the homework earlier this year. and Don't put me on the spot. They got, I think the picks that they got for Robinson are Bobby Kidd. A really good player. Bobby Kidd, I think one Mar- of maybe the one of their firsts. Marshall. One of the maybe? first that's coming. No, I don't think it was Marshall. I think oh, it's one of the McClellan. first that's coming. Goudreau or McClellan. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, maybe McClellan. It was two like, you know, two guys that are gonna be a cornerstone of that D for a long time. But 40 they goals. have to be looking 40. and all the one goal games they lost this year, they have to be looking at Connor Robinson being the difference maker this season for them. Tough one. Yeah. I mean, just forty goal forty goal scorers just don't come around as much as you'd like to think it's not an easy accomplishment to do in the national lacrosse league so we'll see what happens with colorado and san diego and buffalo and toronto this week and both games on saturday yeah both games saturday night yes and staggered for the east and the west a little bit so we don't have to overlap a ton while you're watching these ones on saturday night of a long weekend long weekend one of your fa- isn't this your favorite long weekend? Well, May's my favorite month. Birthday. Yeah. Usually the weather starts getting better. We haven't been able to say that yet in the lower mainland. There's May long. There's Ladner May days. So it's like there's something every weekend. Cloverdale Mother's, Rodeo. Mother's Day. You know, got to got to treat the moms and the wives. There's Mother's Day. Rodeo. Cloverdale Rodeo. Yeah. yeah there's a May. May May is a good month. Okay. Uh, what else is good is our Stampede Stallions of the week. Saddle up, partner. We're heading for the stables. Okay, you didn't do any horse noises last week, so go for it. I, I gave it my my best. No, I don't, I don't, no, you just brushed it right off. You didn't even... All right, uh, Stampede Stables here, and uh, some new information. Let me pull this up. Uh, Stampede Attack and Western Wear would like to congratulate the overall champion in this year's Who You Got Pool, Don 
Aldrin. Dawn is now the proud owner of a brand new pair of Blundstone boots, which you can get at Stampede Tack in Western Wear, along with a huge variety of other boots. Thanks to Dawn for playing all year and all the Lax Glass listeners who participated and helped make Who You Got the best lacrosse pool out there. Stampede also wants to give a shout-out to Evan Schemnauer. We don't have to tell him this, but uh, he wants to say thanks for putting the pool together and making sure things run smoothly. That's coming from Kevin Michael Winkler, proprietor of Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Thanks, Evan. We hope everyone enjoys the rest of the NLL playoffs. Shop local, stampede.ca. You know the rest out there in Cloverdale. Uh, Bradley, your Stampede Stallion of the Week. I'm hoping we different games here because there's only two so uh you go first i'm going with a guy who only knows how to step up in big lacrosse games and that is zedzilla zeddy ball game call him whatever the hell you want zed williams had a night for the ages for himself so far in the national lacrosse in his career a five goal game with no ryan lee and just such a different kind of weapon for the Colorado Mammoth. He'll do a different role on any given night, depending what they need from him. When you watch back that game from Calgary a week ago, and it was just Zed Williams, big body post up on almost every possession. Like he just would post up a man in tight. Sometimes they pass him the ball. If not, he was just drawing a defender or two and taking the pressure off of Ryan Lee to fling the ball around. But without Ryan Lee in this game, Zed had to do a bit more and he shot the ball 12 times and he scored five of those shots past Shiliano from the outside, from the inside, just one of the biggest power forward performances we've seen this season. And, you know, Zed Williams is a, I think he's kind of like a high risk, high reward type player. He's going to cough the ball up a couple of times a game. You might miss a pass. You might, take a penalty like sometimes there looks like these this bit of mental lapses for zed williams but not when things are on the line and he had his best performance i think in a mammoth uniform without ryan lee there and helped that team to victory in game one yeah nice pick and and he i think he's very similar to a guy like austin shanks not player wise but in regards to when they get their first one to drop early they're in for a big night and Zed scored on his first shot of the game. Confidence was all-time high. And stepped up in a spot where he needed to step up and, and carry the load. And did that for Colorado. And he's probably going to have to do it the rest of the way here as well. And maybe he becomes a more effective player without Ryan Lee in the lineup. Which sounds crazy to say, but that could be the case. We Teddy and I talked to Pat Coyle a couple weeks ago before a Mammoth game. And talking about Zed in particular... And what Pat Coyle's noticed in his progression from game one through the end of the season, the playoffs, is that Zed is such a, a heart on his sleeve type player that Pat Coyle was really saying the more that he's gotten to know and become close with his teammates, the better he's been on the floor. Like This is a guy who really, yeah. you know, you see him kiss the stick and just his passion for the game. And now that he's got a group around him that he he loves and respects and he knows how he fits in and where he fits in. He's starting to see the best version of himself on the floor. And that's, that's a scary thing for Colorado right now. Yeah. I, I, I think that's a great point by Pat Coyle. Uh, my stampede stallion of the week, I was going to go easy here, Brad, but since you, 
you picked an offensive guy. I could, you know, Josh Byrne, 11 points. Dean Smith, 11 points. Those those guys jumped off the page. But I'm going to dig a little deeper and try and rep what the stallion is kind of all about here. And my pick is going to be none other than Ian McKay. One goal, one assist, two shots on goal, 11 loose balls, a blocked shot, and a cause turnover. That right there screams Stampede Stallion of the Week to me, Ian McKay. Yeah, and he's he's been such a weapon for them. Like it doesn't have to be transition, transition all the time. He can play a stout D shift. Sure, you know he can be he can be mean and aggressive, and he can you know sort of like you said, block shots, get in those lanes. And then when he wants to turn it on, he's smart about his transition. He doesn't go every time. Um, like you see some of the top transition guys do, they're always sort of leaking and getting ready for that opportunity. He's not that guy. It's always kind of like safety first. Let's patrol our own end first and then turn it into those opportunities. Yeah. And he's a guy that I'm like, he plays a real stout defensive game as well, but I'm convinced there's a few teams around the national lacrosse league. Buffalo is not one of them, but Ian McKay could be playing a regular shift on offense in some teams around the league. Yeah, I think a lot of teams would take would take that. You know, you mentioned a little grinder action. Austin, you you yeah, you compared Zed Williams, Austin Shanks. I'll compare Ian McKay's offense to Steve Keogh's yeah. offense. Yeah, I find that they play a kind of a similar crash and bang. Yeah, maybe not the outside shot game. that Keogh has, but no, but the way the, the way that he runs the two man game, the way that he gets in tight, yeah. I think I, I see a little bit of. Keo there. I could get down with that. Uh, I could also get down to getting to break here because that was a good opening quarter. We got two great interviews coming up before we get to quarter number four. Tino Farah is next on the other side. Quarter two, EP 184, Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Associated Labels and Packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. This is NLO Hall of Famer Rich Kilgore. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified, your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. All right, lacrosse fans, welcome back to quarter number. Did I scare people there? I kind of felt like I came in real quick. Uh, welcome back to Lax Class CP184. Into the second quarter we go. You just heard from our good friends, longtime sponsors of the podcast, Associate Labels in Packaging, where they focus on people, ethics, and quality. Of course, family-owned in Coquitlam, 40. Count them up, 40 years of experience, extensive product catalog, an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Take your package or label to the next level by visiting associatedlp.com. LP, labels and packages. Makes sense. Joining the podcast now for the first time, I believe, is a young, expiring broadcaster, lax flash contributor. And uh, he's in the chat group as well. We got Tino Farah on the pod for the first time. Tino, welcome to Lax Class. Happy to have you here. How's it going? Going good. I for a second I thought you said expiring broadcaster no, before aspiring, I in that you aspiring, said aspiring. Yes, so, very what an entrance. Very different words there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, happy to be here. Big I actually uh before I even met you, I was like a longtime listener of the podcast. So I'm uh 
This yeah. is like your bucket list, then, essentially, like your number one your doesn't get doesn't get any bigger. Than dreams this. do come true. Um, <laughs> well, welcome, men. Uh, how's things going? I know Brad uh, was away uh, a couple of weeks ago. Let's start there. You got your big start in the National Lacrosse League just a few weeks ago at Rogers Arena. Shotgun bes- beside yours truly. And you did a fantastic job, man. Uh, just talk about your experience getting getting to that point and then and then getting to call the big game. That had to be a lot of fun for you. Yeah, uh, the whole like year, basically, since I, gra- I graduated broadcasting school at Van Arts, which is sort of related to Columbia Academy. So, Brad, there's, we're sort of in line over there. R.I.P. Yeah, Columbia Academy. My degree yeah. means nothing anymore. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I sort of just spent a year or has have been spending the year just kind of saying yes to everything. And I'm really fortunate. Uh, there is a project that I had this documentary that I made about lacrosse that got me in contact with just a ton of people. Yeah. T- I'm going to stop you right there because we're going to kind of chronological or go okay. through your, your career here chronologically, which is fairly short. So it won't take long, but <laughs> um, t- I want you to talk about this documentary because I actually stumbled across this months and months after we had met and worked together and all the rest of it. This was fantastic, man. How did you come up with this idea and then piece all this together? This was like a pretty big project. If you haven't seen it yet, tell people where they can find it and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so if you just search, uh, it's called The Hidden Gem, a lacrosse documentary on YouTube. Uh, I was checking. We're approaching the year anniversary. Uh, so I checked the other day and it was at 17,000 views, which is for me like pretty wild. But oh. yeah, it was a school project. It was a term three project and it wasn't originally supposed to be what it became originally i was going to make a documentary about the shutdown of tsn 1040 and i interviewed a few people and then afterwards they said they weren't really that comfortable with the interviews being released so i had to completely flip the script um yeah luckily through lacrosse flash and all them i was able to get in contact with some people and then sort of I started like interviewing people before I kind of had the storyline that I wanted to put together. So after I started interviewing uh, Curtis Dixon, which was incredible and Kyle Harrison, which was like a dream come true for me. I used to wear his gloves when I was in minor lacrosse. Oh, so you did like, um, yeah, that's the other thing is you, sorry to cut you off, but you do have some experience growing up playing lacrosse and, and all that. Maybe start there. That's where we should maybe start, okay. Tino, is how did you find... Johnny Tino, what hospital were you born yeah. in, Tino? What, uh... How did you find lacrosse? What drew you to the sport? Yeah, uh, I've been playing since mini tyke. Uh, I'm 28 now. Uh, obviously I wanted to play hockey when I was younger as every Canadian kid does, but a, it was too expensive and B uh, my dad worked nights and my mom worked days. So it was going to be impossible to get me to the early morning practices and stuff. So my dad had a buddy that he worked with that uh, got me and my brother, some lacrosse gear. And after that, it was just, just never stopped after that. Well, it's obviously one of those sports where that, that when you stop playing or when you're not playing, you want to be as close to it as possible. And every player goes back and, and coaches and you and me and Jumbo here have all been fortunate enough to be able to turn it into broadcasting careers and, and writing careers. So it's never been far, but then you get to, you get to Van Arts, as you mentioned, have this idea of this documentary and what's it like reaching out to Kyle Harrison and Curtis Dixon as a student saying, Hey guys, like I'm, I'm out on a whim here, but can you, can you help me out? I'm sure they were more than generous, but you know, just walk us through that process of, of putting that documentary together. Yeah, so uh, Curtis Dixon, I got in contact through uh, one of the parents that I used to coach uh, his son, 
is buddies with him or acquaintances with him or whatever. So he was able to hook me up with his number and, and Curtis was like, unbelievable. He was so generous with his time. Like, I think I only asked for like 20 minutes and we were sitting there on a zoom call for like 45 or something. It was incredible. And then with Kyle Harrison, that was actually a funny story because I got in contact with him through flash and we were emailing back and forth here and there. And we were supposed to do it one day and it couldn't work out. And then it's supposed to do it another day and it didn't work out. And then it was a Friday morning and I'm like, like we're doing zoom university at this point where like, I'm, I'm about to go into class. I'm like 10 minutes before going to class. And I refresh my email and there's an email from Kyle Harrison with like a Google link saying like, Hey man, I'm waiting. Are you joining the call? I was like, Oh, uh, (laughs) this is happening. Like what the hell? (laughs) So I had to quickly like email my teacher and be like, I can't miss this. I'm sorry. Like if I'm at class today, I'll be late, but I can't miss this. And yeah, uh, Kyle was the exact same as Curtis, like super generous with their time. And yeah. Um, pretty uh, pivotal uh, pieces to the documentary. So after your, cause it is called the hidden gem after these conversations with these guys that have been the best in their sport, what do you think was your biggest takeaway? What is keeping lacrosse off of the, you know, the conversation of top five sports in North America? Well, the easy answer, at least at the time it has improved a little bit was the exposure and the, with all the people that I interviewed, that were just like buddies of mine that, that weren't um, athletes or whatever. I was genuinely asking them, like, if I were to say to you right now, go and find a lacrosse game, like a live lacrosse game, yeah. it's on tonight. Yeah. Um, where would you find it? And some of them didn't even know what the PLL was. Like some of them knew what the NLL was, but they're like, uh, I don't know, is it on the NLL website or can I find a live stream on YouTube? So at the time it was on Bleacher Report. And, you know, like if you're a casual sports fan, like Austin Owen said it best, like a casual sports fan, if you're looking for the NFL, you can find it any day of the week and lacrosse, you have to know where you're looking and then go and pay for the subscription and then hope the product is good enough to keep you there. Well, let's continue this a little further. So how do you get the exposure aside from linear TV, which I think is the obvious, easiest, easiest answer. How do you touch the, the common man, the sports and entertainment seeker and and turn their eyeballs onto the sport of lacrosse yeah well i mean i think the the biggest way in my opinion will to be look see well, to see lacrosse at the olympic that's like the biggest one in my opinion yeah. and i'm i know that we're probably going to be seeing sixes in the olympics that's the version we're going to see and i'm not 1000 percent sold on that yet i'm sure it'll be like it'll be, it'll be good enough but in my opinion, if, if box lacrosse was on a stage like that, if the NLL product was on a stage like that, I just think if, if anybody sees that, imagine like a casual sports fan watching that Buffalo Toronto game from yesterday. <laughs> like, how would you not be, if you're in a bar, like having drinks with friends and yeah. that's on one of the TVs, like yeah. my eyes would be glued to that. I don't know how anybody else could look away from that. Brad, I'm not looking at the camera, just so you know. Oh, is it my turn now? Well, that's usually <laughs> the way this works. Yes. Oh yeah. No. So you you like to you like to go two for well, I every did. now and then. So I like to keep the floor open. Okay. Usually, uh, usually we're fighting. To, usually we're fighting to. That's true. To I get can in. go so if you ed- if you're not ready. Edit edit ed- 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 this gold all out. No way. I'm keeping it. I'm keeping it. <laughs> now I lost my train of thought. Um, yeah, that game was was ridiculous. <laughs> I don't care what party you're sitting across to from the bar, like eyes were on that yeah. that game um 100 there's also the social media aspect 
Tino. And we've seen the PLL do such a good job of it over the last two summers, really capturing the, the younger generation on social media. Where do you think the NLL is that with their, with their social media output the last couple of seasons? Significantly better than it was even just like a, a couple of years ago, like the, the year leading up to the pandemic or, or to the shutdown, like even compared to that, it's, it's significantly better. I'd say uh, me being like a Vancouver based guy, like I've obviously I have a ton of focus on the warriors. They've stepped it up like crazy. I mean, look no further than Halifax with the, everything that Tyson's been doing over there in Austin and, and uh, Charlie Ragusa, who I haven't met yet, but I know that it, that entire social team over there with Halifax is doing incredible work. I think there still are too many teams that haven't totally bought into that yet, but you know you can't really fight it. I think it's like 50% of the population hates social media and the other 50% is like glued to it, but you can't, you can't ignore the fact that you need it now to stay relevant in any way. And if the NLL wants to continue growing, like that's, that's probably the easiest path to, to get a leg up. I yeah. would say it may be something completely different 10, 15 years from now, what people totally, are, but you know, right now the youth, the attention span of, of the kids, like they want it now and they want it quick and they want it dirty and, and then they're out. <laughs> right. So that's what social media is, is really all about is delivering it to you quick and now. And that's what the kids are looking for. I think the older demographic is, is going to be watching the full games and all the rest of it. And, and But you got to hook them while they're young. And I think that's the key. As we speak with uh, Tino Farah here on Lax Class. And let's get back to the broadcasting part here, Tino. Well, you've done some writing. You've done a documentary. You've done some color analysts. You've done some play-by-play. And I think that was maybe some of my advice that I gave to you. And, and you said it. Just never say no to anything and try it all. So you've kind of done that uh, over the course of the last year here. Have you found what you like the best, what you like the least, what you want to do more of, what you haven't tried yet? Yeah, I I mean, I don't know if there's anything I can think of at this point that I haven't tried uh, other than like the between the benches stuff or like the interviews specifically with players uh, in person. But yeah. I don't know. I I'm kind of into to the color commentary because I can just ride your guys's coattails and it's <laughs> significantly easier. Uh, Jumbo, I don't know how like the on camera stuff that I was like having panic attacks over the entire week <laughs> leading up to. I still like when I've watched the broadcast bath back. I don't know how like <laughs> I don't know how you do this stuff without having notes in front of you that you're reading off of. But it's reps. Um, it's all reps, man. Yeah, fair just enough, experience. But... Yeah, and for your first, like, listen, man, for your first time having a producer talking in your ear, being in front of the <laughs> camera with the bright light shining on you, that I like. I take myself back to when I was 28 and what what kind of broadcasting experience I had by that point, and it wasn't that. So, you know, for, for a first go there, man, I thought you did fantastic. And, and the sky's the limit, man. So, you know, be proud of yourself for, for what you did that night because that's a not an easy situation to just kind of step into, especially for your first professional game. And, and you knocked it out of the park, bud. Yeah, thank you. And, like, obviously, I mean, you guys know this, and I've said this to you guys a million times. Like, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have been able to get to this. But like, I mean, Brad, I, the first – uh, anything I did was color for you for a Delta Islanders, like junior B tier one game. And then like Jake, I met you like through doing that through like our like mutual friend with Keith Gagne and stuff. So yeah. it's like, my dad's always told me growing up, like it's who, you know, and 
just going back to the documentary, like that got me in contact with, with a guy like Randy Clough, who then got me in contact with Keith, who then got me in contact with you guys. And then it just snowballs from there. So like this whole year of me saying yes to everything and being able to work with you guys has been, um, well, listen, like that's why Brad said his degree means nothing. And, and it, <laughs> especially in this business, man, it, it's, you know, it, it is about who, you know, but I would say networking is Brad, you tell me, maybe the one, one of the most important things you can do in this industry is network. Have people want to work with you. That is one of the main things too, right? You don't, you don't want to be a pain in the ass and have people when they are going to fill a role or hire someone go, you know what, it's not worth the effort on, on this guy, because you know what, talent and hard work goes a long way, but it's also at the end of the day, who's going to open those doors for you and who have you made an impression on and to be a professional. And, and when people are thinking about opening a door to, to think, to think of you. So I think that's a, uh, that's a big one too. And Tino's fit that, uh, fit that description to a T so far, my man. Um, let's keep it close to home a little bit. You got to front seat to see the Vancouver Warriors, almost every home game this season. So you're there on press row and then obviously doing color for that game, but where, where are they going to go this off season? What void do they need to fill to take that next step to becoming a postseason NLL team? Yeah. I mean, like, so something I've learned this uh, this year working in the world of professional lacrosse is uh, the lacrosse community is very small. Um, so if you say something negative, probably it's going to come back to you regardless. So I don't mean this in any personal way whatsoever, but the goaltending has to be addressed for the Warriors. And that's no disrespect to Bouquet or Fryer. I think all things considered for the majority of the time that they played and they were here, they were good enough but if the warriors want to take that next step like the entire time they've been here they've been you know like a middle of the pack to lower of the pack kind of team and if they want to take that next step this year specifically i think goaltending was the biggest issue and i don't know i to me their defense was good enough uh their offense sure they had like a couple games where they were sleepers but look at what they did without Mitch Jones in their lineup for the bulk of the game. And Charlotte Beatty's really started to find his way, like as the season progressed. And I mean, what else can you say about Keegan ball that hasn't already been said and like Kyle Killen and stuff like that. Like, I, I think the core pieces are there. I just think if they can take even like a half step in a different direction with their goaltending, I think you're going to notice a difference next season. Yeah, and listen, you you look, I mean, you don't have to look any further than the four remaining teams in the playoffs right now. Matt Vince, Nick Rose, Frank Shiliano, and Dylan Ward are the four remaining goalies standing in the NLL playoffs. Take a step further back and, and add two more in Del Bianco and Doug Jamison, who also made the playoffs goaltending in the national lacrosse league and lacrosse in general is the number one thing you need to have success. Yeah. That's and it. you know, like I look at a guy like, I, I, and I'm not, I'm, I mean, maybe I'm trying to talk this into existence, but Nate Fasine, like a, a rookie over there in Colorado, he's a Maple Ridge product as well. Like I've watched him play minor lacrosse. I've, I've played some pickup games with him here and there, man. If the Warriors were able to somehow get their hands on him, like he's a young goalie. They called him Nate the Great back in the day when he was playing here in Ridge. Like I, th- I think if something like that could blossom into like a hometown kid playing for his hometown team, like 
what a difference that would make for like marketability and just like raw talent of what that could potentially do for the Warriors goaltending. Might not be a stretch. He is on the practice roster for Colorado right now. And I don't think he's a protected practice roster player, which means when the season's over, kid's a free agent. Yeah. yeah. There's going to be some anything, guys out I, there. Yeah. There's, there's going to be, that's the other part of this conversation is that like you talked about, I was just thinking about those goalies that you mentioned Jumbo and, a lot of them were drafted by the team that they're mm-hmm. playing for Delbs and, and Dougie and Frankie Dylan, was an expansion Nick. pick, yeah. but, but it's really hard to develop and groom a goaltender. And so I and think nobody's trading be, one to you, right? So no one's trading one. No one's, it's going to be, it's going to be a free agent yeah. goaltending frenzy this off season, especially with another expansion team coming in. So you're going to, you're looking at a Nate Fasine or maybe a Brody Harris to take another step. And those are the kind of players that we're going to be talking about. And then the bidding wars that are going to be out there for a guy like a Justin Gettys. Yeah. Yep. Your turn. What about, what about this, yeah. What about this past weekend? Do you know, we saw two, crazy like just exactly what you want from each conference final a come from behind victory for Colorado a tie game in the fourth quarter that they pull away from same thing happens in Buffalo is the lead swaps back and forth like oh. it was everything that we we could ask for um I guess my question to you is is the eastern final don't say that eastern don't, final don't uh, say the eastern that final be the final like I, my, my hot take earlier this season on on coast to coast was that the nll championship was gonna have to run through the west but after watching toronto and buffalo ball out do you think colorado or san diego can beat either one of those two teams that's a fair yes. question but don't brad uh, <laughs> well, where did you think i was going well, no i thought you were gonna say is the east final the true nll final like yeah. i think if you if you phrase it does San Diego or Colorado have a chance to beat either Toronto or Buffalo? I think that's a fair question, but which is the question, which is the question I asked. Yeah. But to, to <laughs> just because I got myself, I, I say this, you're starting to, you're starting to work yourself up. No, and no. Then I, I brought you down. The I, well, I well say this question. because it wasn't too long ago that I was calling some high school football at BC place that did not involve the teams from the interior because of COVID. They couldn't travel down. And I went out on a limb on the broadcast and said, regardless of the teams in the interior, I believe that we are watching the two best teams play in the final. And I had Kelowna, Vernon, Kamloops, Penticton ready to just lynch me for saying something like that. So I just, I don't want you to get in any hot water disrespecting the Western conference. That's just looking out for you. That's all I'm doing. Yeah. And if there's ever, if there's ever like a town that you don't want coming after you, it's probably Vernon. I would say there's <laughs> Viper town. Yeah. They'll get, they'll get you. Brody um, McDonald. Yeah. Don't mess around. <laughs> Look out. Um, yeah. I, long. We have to like re- rewind to get back to the original I, question. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, I think that either Colorado or San Diego does have a chance against whoever comes out of the East. I know there are obviously high scoring games, but like some of those saves that Dylan Ward was making for Colorado, like if you can bank on one or two of those per game, I think he can probably steal a series. And we've seen what Frankie's done in San Diego for some of the regular season. Obviously it kind of got off the rails a little bit towards the end, but I mean, like you guys know, you guys have watched Frankie play for years, like even outside of the NLL, like he's a very, obviously a very solid goaltender and we've seen it at the professional level as well. I think if you can get a few of those saves from him, 
he's also has the ability to steal you a series, not to mention like their emotional leader in Austin Stotts plus the reigning MVP in Dane Doby. So I think both teams have some pieces that have the ability to steal a series, but like, it's obviously not going to be an easy task. And I mean, just to go over to the East for a sec, like that Chris Cloutier goal, like, was that not in the crease when his foot like yeah, double tapped? He, like, he was down. No question about it. Uh, that chase Fraser goal was pretty ridiculous though. I must yeah. say, um, if there's one thing that I've learned in my time in the national lacrosse league, is that any team can beat any team in this league on any given night. And I know we're talking three-game series now, so you'd like to think that the top team comes out on top playing a series. But this isn't any given Sunday league. Colorado, San Diego, they could either beat each other, they could either beat Buffalo, Toronto, and same goes for them. So I think this thing is, is completely wide open. There's also the theory, rudimentary as this this might be and obvious, but say Toronto and Buffalo go three and they kick the crap out of each other. San Diego wins next week and or sorry, Colorado wins next week and they they've got a week off waiting for this team to sort of limp themselves in to the finals. I think that could pose an advantage for Colorado. Sure another another chance for Ryan Lee to rest up and get healthy. And then, you know, you talk about Dylan Ward there, Tino. I think that's such a great point. And, you know, the way I've seen Dylan Ward play this past weekend was like, this guy knows he's been around long enough and he's had so many first round exits. He knows that this is probably the best group that he's had in front of him, maybe in his career. And this is the year for him to, to shut the door and take the mammoth back to the promised land. He could. Yeah. I, I would even say just to add to that, like with, with Ward, I think it's sort of a script with him now that like he's a slow starter, but by the halfway mark or, or towards the end of the year, he's light. Even look at the PLL season yeah, last he's year. He's a like, savvy veteran now. He's matured. He knows how to peak at the right time of the year. Dylan Ward is is right at the beginning of his prime, yeah. which is a little bit scary. Tino, we're... Just about out of time here on EP184 with you here in the second quarter. But I do want to say that hopefully you're going to be riding shotgun with me during the WLA season for a number of games. Uh, we got to clear some hurdles and cross some T's and dot some I's and stuff. You might even get a play-by-play call in there as well. So be ready for that. And um, for fans, well, no, I haven't told anybody this yet. So let's break the news right here, right now. You are actually going to be sliding into the... Hopefully people enjoyed this uh, interview because you're going to hear a lot more of Tino Farah come the summer months here. Brad likes to break up with me, essentially, for for a few months during the summer. So you, my man, are going to slide into the co-host chair here in, well, probably about three, four weeks from now and uh, ride it out here on Lax Class through the summer. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, suck it, Brad. Suck it, Brad. <laughs> I get to go cheat on Jumbo for a few months. You know, it's like uh, it's like couples therapy. I just need to get away and, yeah. and test the waters <laughs> to see what else is out there. And then we we come back all merry in the fall. But no, I'm looking forward to hearing you guys um, go back and forth this summer. It's going to be a wild summer with Senior B looking like it's going to be the most competitive Ooh. Senior B season ever. PLL heating up. We don't know what the WLA is going to look like or if they're going to even have opponents from the East in, in the Man Cup with all the mess that's going on back there right now. So I'm looking forward to an expansion and all that. So I'm looking forward to hearing you guys break that all down. Before we let you go, Tino, 
I'm watching you on a very professional looking Zoom background right now. It tells yeah, me I think everything I need to know about you. There's a there's a big bottle of champagne, a Luongo jersey, a skateboard, a Dunder Mifflin towel, uh, a couple <laughs> lacrosse sticks, a pro microphone, and a guitar. And I know you've got a Blink 182 tattoo. I want to talk about <laughs> the that. sticks of plant. The sticks of plant. You put that there no, on purpose. So. No, that's I have a. That's from my. I had a senior C game a couple of nights ago that I'm still recovering from. Oh, so that I is just, that is a dangerous league, man. Look out. Yeah, I know. Look out. <laughs> um, so, anyways, Blink 182. Like, where does the fascination come in there? And uh, maybe a favorite Blink 182 song of all time. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, Blink, um, my dad gave me when I was like a young, when I was a little kid, my dad gave me their CD, uh, Dude Ranch, to listen to when I was in my room, like doing homework. And I was like hooked after that and like all their stupid jokes that they have in their songs and stuff. And I've seen them live a handful of times, but. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just like that pop punk genre is is me. Uh, like it, I always tell people that's the genre that everybody grows out of, and I just didn't. So that's still <laughs> that what I makes sense why you were singing along during the broadcast. Of Blink, <laughs> Blink 182. Yeah, and then as for uh, like a favorite Blink song, they have a song um, called "Not Now," which is all time. I, so many people probably haven't heard it, but to me, it's one of their uh, best songs ever. And uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, you had like a zillion questions there for me. Yeah, I forget that's all. no, that's I was okay. just no, I was just painting the picture of your Zoom background. I only had one question. It was about, about Blink One Eight Two. So I'm just trying to get the people to know a little bit more about you and what we're getting into uh, for the summer months here. But no, like I said, man, I appreciate kicking back and and listening to you guys this summer. And and thanks for thanks for sliding in and congrats on all the success so far in your broadcasting career. And only one way to go from here. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. Thank you very much. All right. Give him uh, a follow on Twitter at Ferratino, and you can check out his work on a lacrosse flash as well. And he'll be in the co-host chair probably, uh, well, the turn of the calendar, end of the, end of June. We'll figure it out, but Tino's going to be on the pod. Thanks for doing this, man. We'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thank you, guys. There you go. Tino Ferrat, lacrosse flash, and uh, like I said, good up-and-coming broadcaster here, Brad. And, you know, I've... I've kind of helped a lot of different guys over my career get their feet wet in one capacity or another. And some have kind of panned out. Others have not. But I always got time for guys that care and want to get better. And Tino checks both of those boxes. And that's why I keep going back to the well with this kid because I know he's going places. Yeah, and lacrosse guy through and through like i said i met him in the summertime and i got to do play-by-play when he did color on his very first ever game and and the kid is just a natural he knows the sport loves the sport the passion the enthusiasm comes through and that's for broadcasting more important than i think any other aspect is just being in love with this sport and then trying to get that love and that enthusiasm out to the average person i know that's what i've been trying to do for 15 years i know that's what you've been trying to do is just get people to see this sport and love this sport as much as as much as we do and he's one of those guys that does it better than anybody 100 percent, great chat there with tino we got another one coming up we're going back into the hall of fame class uh san diego sales a little balance here on lax classes we talk with the hall of famer and goaltending coach for the san diego seals bob whipper watson in quarter three coming up next hey this is dylan ward goaltender for the colorado man you're listening to lacrosse classified on the lacrosse flash podcast network welcome back to lacrosse classified as we 
about a halftime into quarter number three here in quarter three it's Presented by Rycor Construction, as they make it stand out at Rycor. You know this by now. If you don't, check them out on Facebook and Instagram at Rycor Construction. Family-owned, serving the Lower Mainland, specializing in residential interior and exterior renovations, kitchens, bathrooms, full home renovations. They got the experience. They got the goods. They make it stand out, Rycor Construction. This man did a lot of standing out in the National Lacrosse League, winning six NLL titles. Now, as a goaltending coach for the San Diego Seals, trying to bring one to SoCal as we welcome back Whipper, Bob Watson, back on the podcast. Whipper, thanks for doing this. I know you've had a long day. We appreciate your time. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing it. Um, maybe we got to start. I know you you had a bit of a travel day, and I maybe you don't want to talk about this, but uh, the boy, the Georgetown Hoy. I'm a big Hoyas fan, by the way, since the 80s, more so basketball than lacrosse, but Hoyas fan nonetheless, but uh, tough one for the Hoyas is uh, Delaware. Extreme. Big upset and, and take down the Hoyas. That had to be really disappointing for, for your boy and, and you down there watching it as well. Well, it was definitely it was definitely disappointing for everybody. It was certainly not the uh, the ending that we anticipated. But you know, credit to Delaware, they came with a plan and and they executed. And unfortunately, we didn't execute when we needed to. And uh, you know, that's sports. That's the end of result. And they got to learn and move on. Well, I was going to say, were you ever a part of a team that you know was just rolled through a regular season and you thought you were going on to the championship, and then some upstart underdog? kind of pulled the rug out of you did you ever experience that in your playing career yeah uh probably more than once I think the one that stands out the most probably junior b uh playing against uh I played for the Kitchener Braves and we played Orangeville in the finals it's the first year I want to say it was 80 89 going dating myself here but uh <laughs> yeah it was one of those where you know uh Orangeville just in the league and you know we know the mentality of Orangeville now, but it was it was new to us all then. And uh, they gave us everything we could handle. We lost in game seven. And it was one of those, again, that we were anticipating, you know, we were going to march our way through. We had won it two previous years. And uh, it was a shock to everyone. Goddamn and Northman. like I said, uh, Northman. Sorry, go ahead. I said the goddamn Northman. Northman. Well, your boy went on to win a Minto Cup with those guys. So not all bad with the Northman. He did. Yeah. He did. Absolutely. No hard feelings. Take us back, you know, we want to talk about the NLL playoffs and, and goaltending in general, but while well, well, we've got you here, Bob, why don't you take us back to your beginnings and how you found yourself uh, in between the pipes for the first time and, and sort of how your junior career into the pros went? Yeah, well, like I said, played uh, years in, five years in Kitchener. Uh, first four, Junior B, won two, two Founders Cup, moved on to Junior A and lost out in the first round. And uh, after that, actually, I got into work and I, uh, was drafted into major. Unfortunately, I, uh, work interfered and I dropped out of the game for about three or four years and then had the opportunity to go watch the pro leagues. Felt I really, that's what I wanted to do and be a part of that. Worked my way in, eventually got into Baltimore, started my career there. And it was a great learning experience, obviously the first time back and just, uh, the advanced shooters and, and everything and, and living away from home and uh, a lot of American players, a lot of American influence, just different style of game. And moved our way up to Toronto and fortunately got in the group that I did and uh, had a lot of success with there. So you something sure I'm very did. grateful for. Just a smidge. The Just Baltimore smidge. Thunder back in the day. The Baltimore, Baltimore should get a team back. Should they not, Bob? I mean, Baltimore, I know big field lacrosse town. They have like literally five, six bars 
that are lacrosse specific. Like they're absolutely they're big there. Absolutely. Big there. Absolutely. Green the green turtle. Yeah. Green uh, turtle. Spent many a night there, yeah, enjoying uh some nostalgia there. But yeah, they're strong, obviously field program is just off the charts down there and skill and the talent level but it was a great city I enjoyed my time there unfortunately it didn't take off there but yeah I think another go around might might not be a bad thing you you just said three four years away from the game was that senior a lacrosse as well like you didn't play any lacrosse for three or four years yeah I was out uh from 21 to 24 25 before I started getting back in it and then I was uh Got cut from the first team. I tried out in Detroit Turbos and got cut as couldn't make it as a third goal. I was hoping to get in there just to kind of gain some experience. Wow. Told me to get into major and it took me three or four years in major. I was backing up uh, Steve Dietrich, obviously amazing uh, chugger. Pretty good. Yep. Yeah. Very good goalie. And <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I Not finally right. got an opportunity when the Niagara Falls Gamblers came around and Terry took me there, Terry Sanderson, and uh, things started to roll from there. Take us back to... No, we're not going to go this far back now. We're going to go back to Friday night, San Diego and Colorado game one, Western conference finals, in the national lacrosse league uh, tie game into the fourth quarter and two late ones by Colorado to give them the game one victory. But where did you see that one sort of getting away from, from San Diego in the late stages? Yeah. You know, I thought uh, first half of uh, invigorated. I just thought, you know, we were doing a lot of good things. Offense was dynamic. They were moving the ball. We were scoring uh defensively we we're doing a really good job and then i just saw it later in the half we you know we, we got stagnant with the ball we started being inconsistent on defense really lagging gaps and getting shots off and and uh you know we all play a role in it and i you know i thought frankie was a little bit in his head and just kind of uh is looking back instead of looking forward i thought so hopefully something that we're all going to correct and uh, like i said it's a team effort and i think we could all do better in different aspects of the game. And we, and we have to be, obviously, you know, it's a, it's a must win for us coming up this weekend. Yeah. Facing elimination against the mammoth and you're going to take them on, on the road as well, which, you know, adds a little extra challenge, but let's get back to Frankie here for a second, because I don't know if Frank growing up here in British Columbia ever really had goaltending specific coaching and to get it from somebody like yourself has to be, just such a blessing for him. Um, you, you mentioned the mental side, maybe looking back instead of looking ahead. Is that something that you addressed early in the year with Frank or what are, what have been some of the, the key or finer points that you've tried to work with on his game? Well, yeah. And like, this is my first year meeting Frank and first off, he, a, a tremendous person, but a, a real professional, just his I love his approach. He's all over video. And to look at him, like, you know, I had to look at him and say, hey, you're a 10-year veteran in this league. You know, I'm not going to try to teach you this game in the sense of, you know, uh, he knows what he's doing. He's yeah. a successful player. He, he's gotten to where he is because he's a he's a pro. So we just looked at simple things that, uh, you know, the mental aspect of things, because you know, playing 15 years myself and going through a lot of different scenarios, you know, the, the self doubt that you have that creeps in probably all athletes mind and try to how you deal with with those types of things and how to refocus and then the little things obviously we're watching video we're looking at shooters picking up on tendencies and then we're watching his own game and simple things that we we wanted to to look at like when we first picked them up one of the simple things was just a a left-handed shooter frankie never really squared up to a left-handed shot he was always kind of staying 
more flat and, and facing forward as opposed to actually, you know, uh, squaring up with his hips to the, to the shooter. So that's something he's worked on. But again, we're looking at a guy who's played for 30 years. He's, there's a lot of muscle memory there, and it's going to be difficult to change those things. But, you know, we keep pointing it out. Uh, he keeps looking at it and, you know, just simple things like when he goes down to the butterfly, he's a tough guy to beat. He's six foot four. He's a big fella. He covers a lot of net. I was going to say, uh, have, you know, you, and, have, have you ever seen or worked with a goaltender of that stature, Bob? Because he's a bit of a rare breed when it comes to that. We've seen, you know, heavier set goaltenders, but never at the size and athletic ability that Frankie possesses. No, totally agree. Like you're looking at a big man like that. Like I said, for me, it's, he's a little bit different style than I was. So that's, again, that's, that's a challenge. And like I said, I'm not going to try to change your game. We, we got to make you the best version of you. That's what, that's what our ultimate goal was. And, 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 you know, and Frankie's very open to it and, and, and he's worked very hard this year. And, but like I said, you fall back on habits sometimes. And I just, things that I picked up on his game. I haven't really seen him when he's on his game, like the week before he was unbelievable on his game. And anytime they scored, you know, it's business as usual to get the camera on him. but I'm watching him walk from, from the net to the floor during a TV timeout after that. And you could see, he's just going over in his head and he's shaking his head and he's frustrated. And, you know, we all get that way as athletes for sure. Cause we're looking at it, but can't show it. No, you can't show it. And, and you, you, you got to be able to find that way to move on and quiet that voice and, and focus on the next and one. How, how do you do that, Bob? First of all, you got to be aware of it. And second of all, like you said, I tried to, and for me, I, I just thought the bigger the game, it was easier for me because then I got so focused on winning, to be honest with you. It's just that, you know, I'm, I'm cheering my own goals, my own team's goals, every play I'm focused in on everything that was going around me as opposed to, you know, I just let a, I let a bad goal in. I got to do this. So it's just like, okay, that happened. Let's go. And then I'm back to focusing and cheering so on my teammates. And you're so talking to yourself, but you're saying the right things to yourself. Yeah, it sounds Absolutely. like a positive mindset to me versus picking on what you're doing wrong. Absolutely, it's, it's it's quieting that mind. It's quieting that that negativity voice. And I think as athletes, we all have that. I'm, I'm you know I'm I'm certain of that. And we were going through that. You know, even like you said, we were talking about Georgetown with my son. Like. It, it was a bit of a struggle for him in, in the playoffs. And I'm, you know, son, you, this is, this is where you got to figure this out, how to quiet that voice. Like you've, you've scored goals in the past. You, it's not like you forgot today. It's not going to go your way. And that's just, that's sports, but you gotta, and you can see him out there with his head down. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a battle that all athletes have. So, and it's just being cognizant of it and figuring out a way going to work for you to how to quiet that voice yeah that that can be taught is that is that mantras is that meditation like when are some of the things you can learn off the floor to to help yourself on the floor mentally yeah and that's all part of it i think we had that in toronto where we had a, a person come in and we we're taught visualization and and for me <clears throat> it's not necessarily doing everything that they're throwing at you but it, you got to pull out what works for you and what works for me may not work for frankie so this is the part that where I'm trying to make him cognizant of it. I'm certainly not an expert in the field, but you know, you, you got, you're pretty qualified. I think you're pretty qualified. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, you know, you got to find what works for you. Right. I'm, I'm not, I'm not Frankie. I'm, I'm, you know, I can't get into his head, but just trying to pick up on him and, and seeing the things that I can help him out with. And, and like I said, half the battle is him being open to it. And he has been, and he's, he's had a great year. 
is that was the, was that the goal for the seals to, to to bring you in and make that call this season was to work on the mental side with frankie or what was the whole overarching we're going to bring in bob watson to to help our team i think they just wanted him uh, i mean when i was approached by pat and by, and by uh shoot it was just you know they wanted to improve his game in any any way i could help and, and see fit they just said you know you're an experienced guy and we want you to share that with him and like it's for me, it's my, it's my first kick at the can too. And that's the open, honest conversation I had at Frank. You know, this is the first time doing this as well. And my biggest thing is I've just watched other goalies in the past and they try to make goalies the way somebody else is. And I, I just don't think that's effective. I think you got to be the best version of you. So my approach with Frankie is, okay, let's see a few technical things that you're doing wrong that maybe we can improve on. And he's got to be on board with it. And the other part I just thought is that mental, because to me, goaltending is, you know, it's whatever, whatever percentage you want about the mental aspect of the game, but it, it's huge for goaltending. It's, it's well, a big part of the game. And, and if you don't, if you can't master that, then you're going to have problems. Yeah. I really think not enough mental training is done, not only in lacrosse, but in all sports. And it just gives you such an added edge against your opponent. If you're doing more than they are. And speaking of that, you know, I, I know kind of a, a weekly routine for a head coach in this league and the amount of time and dedication it takes to, to be a good one. As a goaltender coach, I would imagine it's a little less taxing, but what's an average week of time or workload look for a goaltending coach in the National Cross League? Well, it's watching a lot of video. It's watching, you know, the, you're obviously watching the game as it goes on, at least you try to, and then you're watching it once or, once or twice over just to pick up everything that's going on with, with the goaltender. And, you know, we try to look at the, the opposing goaltender just to see if I can pick up any habits or anything that's going on down at that end that give tips to our shooters and as well as looking at the offensive team that, that we're facing. So, I mean, it's one of those things where we're playing teams often enough now, like uh, Colorado, we played them three times in the season. So I uh, started a book right from the beginning of the season, just taking notes on every player. And so accumulating all that information and just keep adding to it with a little bit of video here. So to put the time on it, obviously it's not a full-time job and you'd love to do more, but you know, you, you have to uh, time management's key and put a few hours in to watch some video. How different is it that Dylan Ward is a lefty? We, we make a lot of it in the media cause you don't see it very often and he's, he's so talented, but you know, is that, is that an advantage for him? Is that a, is that tough for shooters to, to read because it's just, it's backwards and opposite of what they're used to seeing. Yeah. I, I, I think it's a point of notice for sure. Like uh, I've never, you know, I've never scored a goal in this league for sure, but I, I've also heard guys talking about, and, and I always make the point of okay, this, this goalie is a left-handed shooter. Uh, his stance is this, he's tall, he's, he's active in the net. He gives up the net quick. He, he's out the challenge. So you know, quick passes, those kind of things, just any little tips that I can pick up that are watching. But uh, to actually, to get an accurate answer on that, you probably want to talk to a shooter there for sure. But <laughs> Well, and I all mean, shooters have their favorite corners, right, Bob? And then when you're staring at the net and all of a sudden top left looks a little bit different because there's a stick there, that can change your mindset. Yeah, I would have to believe that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's circle back to, to the stable there in, in San Diego. And both these youngsters have really bright futures ahead of them. Picked up a win, in fact, this year in Getty and O'Riglieri. I don't know how much work you've had to, to do or a chance to do with these two young guys, Bob, but bright future between the pipes in San Diego for 
what looks like a lot of years to come. I don't know if you can hang on to all three of these guys, can you? Yeah, I mean, obviously we'd like to. They both uh, have done a great job. Obviously, I know quite a bit about Chris. Watched him, uh, like you mentioned, he played uh, in Orangeville with my son and had an opportunity to watch him play quite a bit. And we were excited, and that's who we, we targeted right from the beginning. I mean, uh, Patty was on board, Shooter was on board, and obviously Shoot was part of the program. So yeah. very high on Chris and, and know what he's capable of. Definitely has a high end. And then Gettys, it was uh, – First opportunity was to to watch him actually play the game when he played in uh, Saskatchewan and then had an opportunity to meet him out in uh, San Diego. And yeah, uh, hardworking guy, a huge upside. Another big kid too. Big, big body, you know, just the way the scenes of the, the league is going right now. And and he can move as well. And, and again, great demeanor and a great team guy. I asked this of Chugger last weekend as we go back to back weeks with, with Hall of Fame goaltenders, Bob, but how do you feel about the state of the future of goaltending right now? Do you think the well is deep enough as the league is expanding right now? Yeah, I think it's getting deeper. I, I thought at one point it was getting a little thin, but I think uh, the development is there. You can see these young young guys coming up in the last draft, and uh, it's a lot of positivity. And like you said, you you watch Geddes and you watch Origlieri uh, both come in there and, and able to to grab wins and and to contribute. And yeah, I, I think it's, uh, it's bright for the future and, and looking forward to obviously uh, the growth of the game and these guys coming in. And, uh, you know, a lot of times you just need the opportunity. That's what these kids need. And those two, you know, they, they made the most of their opportunities. They sure did. As we speak with Bob Whipper Watson here, full disclosure, we recorded the fourth quarter before we, we got you on here, Bob. And at the end of that quarter, we kick around, the topic that Christian Delvianco put out on Twitter this week, calling Matt Vince the greatest National Lacrosse League player to ever play in the league, which is a bit of an out-of-the-box thought with him being a goalie. Everybody kind of turns to the top scores and all that sort of stuff. But when you look at the minutes and the saves and the wins and the titles and the goalies of the year, you being right near the top, if not the top, of the goaltending hierarchy – where do you rank Matt Vince in the grand scheme of the entire league? Yeah, that's a great question. One I've never really put a lot of thought to. Uh, Vino's obviously had an impact and is is a tremendous goalie. And, you know, he's he's proven to be a winner no matter where he's played. Uh, having played against the Gate brothers and Tavares, I mean, that's, you know, you got guys there who've had huge impacts on the games. And the list goes on and on. So uh, very subjective. Where to put him? I I'd throw him in the top 10. I don't know if I go number one with, with the guys that I just mentioned, but definitely uh, he's a player, he's a gamer and he's a winner. And uh, he's proven that over the years. So he's, he's at like seven and you're at six then, right? <laughs> uh, I'm probably at 10 according to my wife <laughs> and he might be at five. So <laughs> we, we talk a lot about the goalie union and the goalies are, are so close to the national lacrosse league, even when they're opponents, you know, they, they all seem to to talk and, you know, have a special bond. Was the union alive and well in, in your playing days? I, I think so very much. So, I mean, I got nothing but respect. I loved the challenge of playing against Dietrich O'Toole, Dallas Eliak. I mean, just some amazing players and, and it made me a better player playing against them. I always looked forward to playing against those guys. I knew it had to be at the top of my game. 
and didn't mind sharing a beer with those guys at the end of the game. Like they're just great guys, competitors, and you know, they just wanted to win for their team and I was doing the same. So yeah, definitely guys that have influence and an impact on your game. Just a couple of more minutes here with Bob Watson. Let me ask you this guy you had the most trouble stopping and guy that you just had his number and couldn't get one past you first one's very easy well there's probably a couple for sure but john grant jr was a nightmare for me and uh i believe it's kyle buchanan there's a couple buchanan's i believe it's kyle who's a lefty who played for boston doyle doyle always told me this guy he said he might get one a game against everybody else but against you webby's getting four or five what is it and i'm like i don't know every time i go down he goes up and every time i stay up he goes down so i just could not read his stick but I mean, John Jr. I'm I'm not the only one. No, that, no, uh, that's a long fell list victim of to that. There, just, yeah. just so many weapons and trickery and velocity and accuracy. He was just he was he was an unbelievable player, an unbelievable shooter. Guy that I had a number, I I that's a tough one. I I don't know. Like to be honest, I really don't. You could almost say that's a good question, Bob. Uh, yeah, it's a great no, question. Go. I had good nights against some guys, but then the next night I'd have a bad night against them. So, I mean, it is, you know, it's it's a game of lacrosse. You just never know what you're going to get. How about if you were to jump on a floor right now and you could pick, I'm not going to make you name five, but let's say two or three defenders that you would want in front of you that you'd feel most comfortable playing behind. Who would those guys be? Wow, that's another fantastic question. Uh, <laughs> fantastic, Jumbo. I don't know that's, if that's two or no, three we're things. Go, we're going to LeBron. That's, that's two or three things. It's good or great. Sorry, Bob. We have a little competition about good questions. And uh, fantastic, I don't know fantastic if Fantastic hasn't well, been done being, before, so thank you. Being the SEALs guy, I got to go with Brody Merrill first. Obviously, I, I know he's getting up there in his age, but you bring that experience and he can still do it. Like he's still picking up key loose balls he's smart he's directing traffic and he's an intense competitor love brody uh i look at a guy like even toronto i know he's a transition guy he's playing a lot of offense now with challenge rogers he could play in front of me anytime you want he's just a beast and strong and just an amazing athlete how about a former teammate i'm waiting for you to name like pat coyle or glenn clark or Something like that. Pat, Pat Coyle. I, I mean, if I got one guy that I had to pick ever, that would be my guy. Pat Coyle's my guy. He, he knows that. And that's, I played a lot of uh, minutes behind Pat. And yeah. I Not mean, too many guys came into the middle when number two was patrolling. No, yeah. no, he was a beast and, and had an opportunity to play against him. And I remember going out, try to set a pick on him. And I, it took me about a week and a half to catch my breath after he ran me over. But an intense competitor loved them like there's so many guys you know kyle rubish and out in saskatchewan yeah there's there's just so many guys that are that are just quality defenders all right last one here for you bob in colorado this weekend they're missing ryan lee here but still managed to put up 14 they're a pretty dynamic offense what are a couple of the keys to, to beating the woolies this weekend yeah i think we had a different look a little bit uh like I said, we watched a lot of video, and I think Williams stepped up in that role. Obviously, didn't not knowing that Lee was not going to be there, so I think we need to be a little bit more prepared for that. To, you know, just a power forward, and we're going to have our hands full there. But definitely, we need to uh, do a better job on him. And uh, you know, like I said, Robin Robinson is just a great, great outside shooter. We we need to close gaps and get on hands and just uh, try to give Frankie a better look at things and a little bit of time and room and. Uh, take time and room and space from these shooters. Well, well uh, yeah, sorry, the last Brad. one here from you, Jumbo, yeah. you were, Bob, you were, we've, we've kicked around on the show a little bit that we kind of think that, that in a one in like you played all your playoff games, essentially one and done. Now there's mm. 
now they're series in a bunch of different ways. And you were kind of the king of one and done. Like if there's a one game, 60 minutes to win it all, who do you want in that? And your name is right at the top of the list. Um, we can't do that anymore. And the league is growing and we're getting bigger and better series every year. And it's probably going to grow and grow and grow. Um, just how difficult, I guess, is it for a goaltender to be in a series versus a one and done? Like what is more difficult? You think the long haul and doing it on back-to-back weeks or just one and done for all the marbles? Yeah. I think you obviously there's lots at stake of bull. At least you, uh, with, uh, the one and done, there's no second chances, at least with the series, you, you have the opportunity to correct ro- any wrongdoings or, you know, you, you get a shot at the can and uh, if you have a bad night or, or whatever goes wrong, at least, at least you're going to have another opportunity at it with the one and done. It's just, it's all or nothing, do or die. So that, that, that part of it's, uh, you know, I say the one and done is difficult because not necessarily the best team wins, but it's the best team that night that wins. I love the I love the opportunity to get to watch the shooters a couple of different times. But having said that, they get to watch you a couple times too. So. <laughs> well, we'll be we watching. Did. We'll be watching down in Colorado come Saturday night. Best of luck with you and the seals, and always appreciate your time here on Lax Class. Get some sleep. Keep the streets of Ontario safe for us, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, gentlemen. Much appreciated. Thank you. There you go, Hall of Famer, big game, Bob. Bob Whipper, Watson, Brad. Uh, man, oh man, you talking about one and done games? He was the man. And you ask anybody that surrounded that Toronto Rock organization during his career, the best to do it. Yeah, I'm just I'm looking at the stats right now, and it, it's silly because it, it's changed so much. Like Matt Vince, he's second all time right now in playoff games played. Overall, not even just both defenders. <laughs> Second overall in playoffs game. Say he could be number one if this series goes the distance and the finals goes the distance and Buffalo goes away. He's four games away from being number one all the time. You look at Whipper, like the career that he had, 21 games played in the playoffs. Vince is at 34. And they were the same age. So Vince is 40 right now or 40 this year. Um, yeah. Bob Watson retired at 41 as a champion. So, you know, everybody makes a, a big deal about what Vince is doing at his age, but Whipper did the exact same thing, winning a ring at, at 41 Going years out, old and was it. the MVP and was the MVP ultimate that year too. Against the stealth and 8.67 playoff goals against average that year and a save percentage of 814. 2007, he had a save percentage of 867 in the postseason. Maybe the two, um, the two, year 2010 2011 with t rich and whipper going head to head yeah that might have been Young. the best goaltending we saw in nll finals history yeah it was that like, you think about the shooters on both those sides and those guys holding the teams under 10 just incredible but to walk away as the mvp a champion on your final game and i'm ah, good See you later. Takes That's number six. Takes, takes guts to do that. And how about you know, how how could you not do that and then go? You know what? I could try this. I'm still at the top of my game. Like, what do I look like next year? Even if I am tapering a bit, I'm still going to be better than eighty percent of the league. The crazy part to me, out of all that, Brad, is that the guy took four years off of lacrosse in his most formative years, from twenty one yeah. to twenty, and then yeah. to still bat- come be be able to battle back and get to the like the ultimate pinnacle. That's talent. 
That's talent yeah, right that's, there. That's super impressive. That is super impressive. Always an impressive chat with Bob Watson. That is the end of quarter number three. We're off to the final frame. Evans back, lax class locks, and a little fun debate coming up as well. Keep it right here, EP 184. Lax class is back after this. Kevin Crowley from the Philadelphia Wings. You're listening to Lax Clash, your go-to source for all things NLL and box cross. Double overtime. Game seven. Mitch Jones into the middle. Got rim. Got a shot. Scores! Mitch Jones puts the bellies into the finals. Stolen by Mike Messenger. Twisting, turning, scoring! They can taste it! Listen to this place again! You know, the Canadian Army could use a tank like Mike Messenger. Time now for the Kings of Queens Park, brought to you by the new Westminster Salmon Bellies. This week, we turn our attention to Jack Bionda. Ever heard of him? Legend has it from 11 years old, he would play lacrosse four to five hours a day. A Minto Cup champ by 19, Bionda first came west to play for the Victoria Shamrocks and won two WLA scoring titles. At the same time that he was establishing himself as Canada's greatest lacrosse player, he also had a full career in hockey, playing in the NHL with the Leafs and Bruins. During his summers, Bionda joined the Bellies and won back-to-back Man Cups in 58 and 59, and another for good measure in 62. In total, he won six WLA scoring titles, one for every year that he actually played a full season. A charismatic innovator with his stick, Bionda was like a one-man traveling showcase and filled arenas wherever he played. Inducted into the Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Fame and the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame, hockey paid the bills, but his time with the bellies made him legendary. Join us for stories like this all summer long as we celebrate the tradition that is Salmon Bellies Lacrosse. It continues June 2nd when the Salmon Bellies take on the Burnaby Lakers. Tickets and info at SalmonBellies.com. Welcome back to Lax Class. Uh, you just heard there Brad Schellner and his fine work once again. Kings of Queens Park featuring none other than the late great Jack Bionda. Man, oh man, Brad. I don't know if you were old enough to ever go out and, and like, obviously we didn't get to watch Jack play. But after his playing career, he would go around to local rinks and put on a kind of a stick trick clinic yeah. display and doing it with a Woody, this guy was an absolute wizard with the wand. I don't know if I've ever seen anything like it. No, and uh, no one's done this since, in to my to my knowledge. But he used to he used to I, I say play because he was like a magician. He would just he would come to town. He would perform at um, there's a salmon festival in Steveston every year. Yeah. And I remember going as a young kid, one of my first introductions to lacrosse was you just, you, you hovered around the Steveston box and Jack Bionda would shoot on around. a net yeah. and people would come from miles around to watch this. But that was what you, you, that was worth the price of admission was just watching this guy shoot on the net because he was an absolute magician. And there's, there's literally there's shots named after him. Like what it is the subshot bouncer the, the one the one handed subshot bouncer is the behind beyond, the back behind, behind the legs though you gotta do the behind yeah. the legs and yeah. he used to he used to twirl his arm like a windmill and then fire a subshot on you know on like the tenth windmill fire a subshot one handed top chad like it was I've never seen anything like it before or since and that guy used to tour to just have people come and watch him shoot on a net which is which is unreal he played he was like a Harlem Globe truck yeah. 
you know, it's just fantastic. There's footage of him lingering around at Queens Park doing this in his like 70s as well. So pretty impressive. And I think originally, I want to say, I haven't looked up his Wikipedia because he just told me who we we're doing here. But I want to say start out in Victoria before ending up in New West. Spent some time in the NHL as well. Heck of an athlete, heck of a person, and great ambassador for our game. Uh, a little more info about the fish here, Brad. Uh, as we're recording on a Monday, the Bellies pull off a trade involving both Cornwall brothers as Coquitlam ships to New West. Jeff and Travis Cornwall coming back the other way. A few draft picks, second, third, and a fourth round pick. And I kind of raised my eyebrow at this one a little bit, uh, thinking like Jeff Cornwall, no first round pick involved in this trade. What's going on here? But getting reports that Jeff Cornwall will be suiting up out in Ladner this summer, Brad. So Jay Corns going to be a pioneer, it looks like, which kind of explains why there was not a first round pick involved in this deal. Yeah, when I saw that, I thought, wait a second, how many games is he going to play? Like, maybe he's only committed to playing four in playoffs, and that's why he's only worth a second or something. And then my other reaction was, Coquitlam has been, Coquitlam's looking like they want to, over the years, they're trying to rebuild the junior Adnax. They're like, keep a lot of guys close to home. So I was a little surprised by that, too, because they've got such a Coquitlam heavy roster. But hey, I am looking forward to pieball this summer. I don't want to name all the names that I'm hearing are going to be out in in Ladner this year in the Flatlands, but it's going to be uh, some. it might be the best senior B summer we see in a long time. Let's just put it that way. And we are talking bellies, but on that Cornwall note, I believe there was a little little riff there uh, with the Cornwall, who are now coaching in Port Coquitlam, who are obviously the junior Adnax's biggest rival proximity-wise, and uh, maybe that might have had a little something to do with it as well. But we're talking bellies here, and i got to let you know this. The Feed the Fish website is alive and well. 25 different items on the silent auction available. Golf package, a one-of-a-kind varsity jacket. We also have the 50-50 draw going, and that'll be drawn on May 19th during the Feed the Fish broadcast. You can check it out on Facebook Live. I'm hosting this sucker. So 50-50, check out all the silent auction items that are up for grabs. And the smoker coming up on June 24th. People can reach out to bellyspresident at gmail.com. Still a few tickets left for this thing. 100 bucks buys you dinner and all the alcohol you can pound down your throat. And you also get into a reverse draw for a lot of cash. Or you can just buy the ticket for the reverse draw for 60 bucks on its own. So essentially dinner and all you can drink for 40 bucks. I don't know why you wouldn't take advantage of this. Bellyspresident at gmail.com if you want to head to the Salmon Belly Smoker on the 24th of June. There it is, Kings of Queens Park. Evan, uh, you're back on the pod. It's quarter four. What's going on? How are things? Oh, pretty good. Got to watch some uh, RMLL action this weekend. SWAT, SWAT, SWAT up, SWAT down. What's going on? Oh, the first night it was it was a scary sight. They allowed seventy eight shots on goal. Oh. Was, uh, oh, and and I mean, and we're not I'm not talking seventy eight long distance shots. I'm talking forty of them coming from down a breakdown down low straight onto the crease. Right? It was it was a little nasty. Second night, uh, it was five nothing halfway through this game, and then Saint and Albert kind of fell asleep. They still pulled it off in the end. Um, but I mean, there's still the favorites in the Rocky mountain league. And like the one thing I just could not believe is that John Lentz, 
who is playing in San Diego on Friday night, takes a 6 a.m. two-connector flight to come to Saskatoon to coach the minors wow. on Saturday night. It's like, if you that is dedication to... <laughs> to no, that's John Lentz. Stallion. Stallion right Absolute there. Absolute stallion, yeah. Um, yeah, it was great to see. I know the BC Junior League got fired up and underway this weekend as well. Lots of games going on. I believe Junior Thunder out to a 2-0 start. Vic looking pretty strong. Coquitlam's got some work to do. So, junior season just firing up here in BC and Ontario, for that matter. Uh, JVI, the folks there, putting on the junior game of the week, free of charge on the YouTube channel, if you want to get plugged into that. And the WLA, not too far off in the distance either, as uh, all those games are going to be up on WLA TV, courtesy of Play Full Screen. And I'm calling a ton of those things. So... Get ready for WLA season as well. But here in quarter four, fellas, we like to do a little thing called Lax Class Locks. It's locked. When you're right 52% of the time, you're wrong 48% of the time. I hereby declare lock of the week. It's a big lock, all right. Lax Class Locks brought to you by CoolBet. CoolBet.com is where you want to go if you want to lay down a little action on the upcoming NLL playoffs, NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs, baseball, tennis, UFC, PLL coming up as well. CoolBet.com is your place to go. And if you want some free money when you go there, it's simple. Just register, log, sign up, takes a minute or two, name, address, all that sort of stuff. And then before you deposit, put in the bonus code LAXCLASS, and the good folks at Coolback Canada will match you on your first-time deposit up to 200 Free money. Coolbet.com. Bonus code LAXCLASS. Stay cool. Bet responsibly. So just two games this weekend here, fellas. So we're going to combo it up because we all came up empty last weekend, if I'm not mistaken. I know I did. So, well, we hit the perfect thread, absolute perfect thread, because after Colorado won, the only way that either Brad or I didn't hit our parlays was if Buffalo won by one. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, because I had Toronto on Moneyline. He had Buffalo plus 1.5. And we're not talking about me taking the under in that game either. We're just not gonna we're not gonna talk about that under a twenty-three that everybody yeah. thought that was by halftime. By halftime, yeah. Um so this week we we've talked to the good folks because usually you can't parlay up on the same game, but cool bet gonna make an exception for for us here at Lax Class. Brad, you're taking the handicap, Evan, you're taking the money line, and I'm going with over under again. Let's make it happen here for the people and put some jumbo box in their pocket. Let's rock and roll. Brad, what do you got? Who you got? Again, two weeks in a row now. I don't know how this keeps happening. The Colorado Mammoth are underdogs again. They're underdogs on the money line. They're underdogs on the handicap. And so you take the Mammoth that plus 1.5, a win or a one goal game checks this one off your box. So the Mammoth plus 1.5 at minus 139. I like it. Evan? Yeah, even and even if you went money line, Mammoth are still plus 125, but I'm going the other game here. I think Toronto 
gets back into the series. They are a plus 100, so a slight underdog, nothing major. So give me the Toronto Rock money line, plus 100. And I got the over-under. I know I took the under in game one, and it was anything but. But I believe things are going to come back to a normal universe here in game number two, and we're going to see a couple of really good defenses and a couple of really good goaltenders kind of shut things down here a little bit. Some adjustments will be made and a few more saves as well. Total is at 23. Let's bump that up to 23 and a half just to play it safe. And that'll get you a minus 120. When you hop on CoolBet, you want to play the Lacrosse Classified Parlay. Just hit the search bar, type in Lacrosse Classified. It'll pop right up. And uh, those odds will be there right for you to make some money on. And enjoy the playoffs just a little bit more when you got something riding on the game. Make a $2 bet, a $5 bet. It doesn't matter. It just kind of makes things a little more fun. Stay cool, bet responsibly for our Lax Class Locks Across Classified Parlay this week. Good luck to everybody. Uh, end of the show is rounding out here, so i got to tell you guys to give us a follow on social media. At Shamlax, at Brad Chow, at PXP for sports. Personal accounts are, uh, as I just mentioned, show accounts are at Lacrosse Classified on Instagram, at Lax Class on Twitter. We've got a Facebook page and an email. Hang on, Evan, I'm not done yet. Lacrosseclassified at gmail.com is the email address if you want to get a hold of any of us at the show. Don't forget to subscribe and review the podcast as well. What do you got, Evan? Well, we were going to talk the GOAT debate. Oh, yeah. I know Brad wanted to bring this up. Uh, not a lot of time here, but you can kick this around here for a minute. Well, Christian Delbianco brought it up. So credit to Dubs and the goalie union. But he brought up the question this week, is Matt Vince the greatest NLL player of all time? And we kick it around a lot. I know, Jumbo, you like to draw a clear line. When we're talking best players ever, you like to draw the clear line of outdoor-indoor Got it. You know, like you say JT NLL and you say maybe John Grant Jr. or Gary Gate all all around. And I'm I'm kind of with you there. But Dulles brings up an interesting point. Like Matt Vince at the end of the day is going to walk away with three or more rings. Seven. Leads all goaltending statistics in, in games played, wins, minutes, um, minutes saves, saves every, everything, right? So JT leads in goals and points now so he's been knocked off of games played and assist is here by dawson so vince at his position is far away number one yeah seven goaltenders of the year as well for vino probably gonna make it eight this season he's in the running for sure and we don't even really need to clarify between outdoor and indoor here because let's not forget both. Matt Vince <laughs> long pole team Canada for a number of years as well. So the guy can get it done out of the cage as well. I think it's a great argument. I currently say that Dylan Ward is one of the best players on planet earth right now because, and I'm talking all around indoor outdoor. You're the starting goaltender for both box and field for team Canada. That's a pretty good argument to tell me you're the best player in the world. Now, uh, this was the this became the interesting question of, you know, you, you think greatest of all time, you're thinking scorer, 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 right? You're never reverting back to a goaltender. And I'll put it in maybe in NHL terms. Where do you put Mark Tambroder in, you know, the greatest of all time in the NHL, right? 
after thinking about it, I've I'm putting Vince for the NLL at number two. Number two. Number two. Behind. Behind Tavares. You know another guy that doesn't get as much mention as he should when we're talking about that conversation is Jim Veltman. How many yeah. rings did that guy win? Eight? That has to count for something as well. Never mind the loose balls and the two-way transition and eight championships. Yeah, it's it's tough to quantify it's tough to quantify different positions, right? Like it's almost like you have to have a defense transition goat, an offensive goat, and a goaltending goat. Because it's it's apples and oranges. It is. And I know the debate comes up, Evan mentions hockey, like you know, is Bobby Orr better than Wayne Gretzky? Some people say yes. Some people, some people say no. Is Matt Vince better than JT? Like, who is more valuable to their teams over the length of their career? It kind of feels like wherever Matt Vince goes, a championship seems to follow, or at least he'll get you to the finals and give you the chance to win a championship. So it, it's like I, it's tough to say. It's very impressive that he, he's. He might not ever get caught in the records that he has. And JT might now that players are playing more games well, that's every too. season, right? The records, the records might fall. Vince's are going to be tough to catch based on his longevity and, and his dominance. He's still got three or four years. He can still go. <laughs> right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're, we're recording this before we talk to Whipper. And I think we should really ask Bob Watson this conversation because I think he was the guy before Vino, right? that people talked mm-hmm. about, about being the best goaltender. And I think Vino's past him now. No disrespect to Whipper, but I, I think at the end of the day, guys, that's what makes these debates, these conversations, this topic so great and sports so great is because I don't know if there is a clear cut defined right or wrong answer. Is that fair? No, that's fair. All right. Good talk, fellas. Uh, great episode. And we'll be back for another next Tuesday, every Tuesday, right here on the home of Lacrosse Classified, the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Big thank you to Bob Whipper Watson and Tino Farah for stopping by the pod. To Stampede Tack, Associated Labels and Packaging, Rycor Construction, the Samabellies, and Cool Bet Canada for sponsoring the podcast. And to you, the listener for checking out Wax Class each and every week. We appreciate you the most. For Evan Sheminar and Brad Schellner, I've been Jay Kelly and for the fastest game on two feet. For the creator, stay safe, stay healthy, stay classified.